Greetings and welcome to a Simmer and Forsland podcast. Oh my God, aren't you folks lucky? Rob Simpson, star of stage, screen, and television. And John Forsland, superstar broadcaster. Johnny, how are you? What's going on? Great, Simmer. Nice Sunday. Happy Sunday to you. Thank you. You'll be getting on an aircraft uh, tomorrow at some juncture and beginning a little three-game road trip. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. About time. Yep. Uh, this is SeattleHockeyInsider.com. You can check us out on Spotify, of course, at the website, and also on YouTube at SimmerPuck, which is also my Twitter handle. Johnny Kidd, what is your Twitter Twitter handle? At John Forsland. Oh, well, that's it's difficult. Uh, this week, I'm starting the stopwatch. We're going 24 minutes, 24 okay. minutes, because we're tidy and efficient. Mm-hmm. You get to go first. Give me a number 24 in honor of. Terry O'Reilly. Oh, dude, you stole mine. Okay, go ahead. I I mean, the Tasmanian devil. Oh, I mean, that guy was a self-made player. And, you know, as a young boy watching the Bruins religiously, watching him scrap his way through and become a 20-goal scorer and then become a coach, um, just a legend through and through. All right, you know what? Because his because his jersey hangs from the Raptors at TD Garden, I'm just doubling up because I'm going to stick with him because that's who I was going to go with. I spoke to him on the phone about three weeks ago because I'm working on a book project, and there was a famous incident where a fan jumped onto the ice uh, to a, essentially kind of attack a referee. Yeah. Uh, Taz was on the bench, and it, the whole thing is hysterical. So I had a great conversation with him. He did book signings with us many years ago when we had a Bruins book out. He's just a phenomenal guy, but he was a maniac on the ice. A freaking maniac. maniac. Like it's yeah. just, it's so long ago. That's one thing, but it's so long ago hockey-wise, right? Like it's yeah. a, it's oh. it's completely different and long gone. And But, you know, when you talk to anybody who played in that era on those teams, and my dear friend, the late Peter McNabb, used to tell me so many great stories about that group. And I could listen to him all day long. And um, it's just, it's remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Yeah, the late, great Peter McNabb. Number eight, uh, yeah. I was on a I was on a bus with the Bruins alumni once riding from Boston to the Maritimes. And yeah. uh, we were well-equipped with beverages. And we just stood yeah. in the aisle and talked hockey for endless hours it was unbelievable and tazzy was one of those guys great choice by both of us um let's get into the seattle kraken okay it's pretty simple it's pretty straightforward while other teams are plugging and playing and trying to figure things out it's like okay well let's start with uh let's start with vince dunn we do believe he's going to be okay he's been skating on a regular basis didn't play in the games but he is uh, the second leading scorer he's a top pair defenseman Right. Are we thinking he's okay? I think so. Based on what we saw Saturday, he was with Adam Larson. It looks like he should be good to go unless something, you know, that we're not expecting is announced on Monday. But I believe everything that I know that he he should be ready. Uh, kind of mysterious, whatever happened to him. Um, it was in and around that bonding weekend where they left and, and then Vince was out and didn't practice. Uh, but he did make the trip to Edmonton. So I think if... There was anything that was either very serious or uh, needed more rehab here at home. He never would have gone to Edmonton in the first place. And he took a full morning skate there in the day of the final preseason game. So I think it's all systems go. 
That's all. There, di there didn't seem to be a hitch in his giddy up, and he, but he was no. a little dainty on the ice the other day. But it might be because there's been a flu bug going around a couple teams, so maybe it could, it could be. And and you know what? We, you don't get any information anyway when it comes to injuries around the National Hockey League. Right. Simmer, you don't get any at all in training camp because they don't have to tell us anything really in training camp unless they really have to or want to and whatever. So we just go on a need to know basis and who's ever out there Tuesday morning, we'll take a look at it and then we'll see what happens. But I expect him to play. Okay. Well, we did get some injury news for a guy transitioning out of training camp into the regular season. And that mm -hmm. would be an ex Kraken Carson Susie. Yeah, Vancouver Canucks. He gets pinned. He falls awkwardly under Sharon Povich of the Calgary flames. And it's now listed. He's listed as Week to week, they did not indicate whether it was high ankle or leg or knee, but uh, it's week to week for him. Unfortunate. Also, a little news, ex-Kraken. Martin Jones was waived today by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Not unexpected because they have two netminders. He was brought in kind of as an emergency basis, and I'm sure if he clears, which is, ex well, I don't know if that's expected because uh, Tampa might be looking at some goaltenders. Um, if he does clear, he'll be available to be their call up when they need a guy. Um, I don't know if he'll be around. I would think. Well, the the part of that equation is Joseph Wall, the young goalie that's going to be the two in Toronto, also needs waivers, right? That's my understanding. So it was an either or. They're going to keep the young goalie. The young goalie was good. I think Jones just did his thing in training camp and is there as a, as you say, as an insurance policy. I don't know what the Lightning are going to do. When Vasilevsky went out the last time we spoke, um, I thought it was a given that they might have to get somebody. Uh, we'll know tomorrow by 2 p.m. Pacific when the rosters are solidified for the start of the regular season. We'll know exactly where this stands. But Jonas Johansson had an excellent training camp. Every time he got out there, um, they finished four up and two down, and, and he was a big part of it. He had a good training camp. He's still an unproven goalie at the National Hockey League level, but maybe they're going to go with uh, the internal choice. That's what uh, Julian Breezebois, their GM, said right away, that they'd stay internal with this. Um, but Jones is a, is a reasonable option for anybody that needs it. Uh, I would say the Lightning are the one team that may need it the most. I think just about everybody else, maybe Colorado, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, let's keep it right there between the pipes. Seattle Kraken, Joy Decourt. Similar scenario in a way. Yeah. Four, four years younger, a hell of a lot less expensive. Mm -hmm. Joey Decord gets the nod over Chris Drieger. Both very good, actually, in training camp. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably both better than Philip Grubauer in mm -hmm. training camp. Fair point. But you, Joey Decord's the guy. Yeah, and and I think he had the inside track on for two reasons. What he did in the American Hockey League and Drieger's all-the-way-back scenario. And we spoke about this, too. So it's unfortunate for him. I think the way the money works out, it's a wash. Uh, there's money, you know, when he when he it goes is. down, and yep. so really, uh, uh, when you take into account the cords cap hit, most importantly, it's an important position with this team. Philip Grubauer, just average to below, in my opinion, uh, in training camp. Um, better in Edmonton Friday night. That was good. I mean, he was sharp at the beginning of the game and really needed to be. I think the Oilers had four breakaway chances, you know, grade A chances right out of the shoot. The cord gives them, you know, again, to be fair, unproven at this level, but he's about to prove it. 
He's done everything he needs to do to develop. Um, he's right there. He's different in the sense that he handles the puck much better than Grubauer. And just as well as all the guys who are considered excellent puck handlers at the NHL level. So when you game plan against the Kraken, depending on who the goalie is, it'll be a little bit different for the other side. So it's a different look. And the team's going to have to adapt to that, too. I don't know if that's just a hand-in-glove thing. I think that might take some getting used to because you have Grubauer who keeps it simple because he doesn't handle it well. And Decord likes to get out and get it, move it, move it up the ice quickly. They're going to have to be ready for it. But I think there's enough uh, familiar terms there with the boys that uh, they understand, you know, the difference between the two and how it plays into uh, what they're about to do. But it's an important position because Philip Grubauer, again, 50 games, maybe 55 games. That's what you're looking at. No more than that. So you're looking at, you know, strong possible 30 starts for the number two. And um, most teams need a tandem today, and that's the way the Kraken will roll this season. But good for him. He's earned every every bit of this. Yeah, and as you pointed out, and I wrote about the other day on SeattleHockeyInsider.com, the, uh, we might see him sooner than later, Joey Decord. By the way, Chris Drieger, apparently Tampa didn't need him, nor did another NHL club, because he was oh. waived Saturday with John Hayden, the forward, Kale Fleury, the defenseman. All three of those gentlemen have cleared, so they will be reporting to... Coachella Valley, which brings up the decor. Uh, so Kale Fleury goes down. Um, Carson Suzu, we just mentioned, is in uh, Vancouver and he's injured. Brian Dumoulin is the new guy. The uh, how, how do we feel about the slight changes with the Kraken decor starting this season? Ultimately, it's their slight changes, big picture. Yeah, Dumoulin and Schultz as a third pair look look solid and will continue to grow together. Morgan, Will Morgan's in a different spot than he was last year at this time. You know, halfway through the season, because of an injury, he was able to get top four minutes and never leave, and never leave Oleksiak's side all through the playoffs. Earned a new contract, but again, it's different, just like it will be for Vince Dunn. You come back to follow up a brilliant season – with a new deal. Sometimes that can get into the head of a player, right? It can play head games and, and they're going to have to adjust to that. Um, Larson and Dunn, we expect a lot out of those two. That's, that's good. Uh, Magna J uh, will be the, the extra defenseman. So, you know, Jacob Magna will give you a veteran guy that you move in. And if there's an injury, he's also in that position where he's going to sit for a while and, uh, you know, be that that guy at the ready. And then we get to Riker Evans, who was knocking on the door. And I think by the end of training camp, Simmer was clearly evident that he was very, very close, but not there yet. Yeah. That player needed to bust the door down. There had to be no doubt in anyone's mind that he was absolutely good enough to be in the six. Never mind just because he doesn't need to be an extra defenseman at this point of his career. He needs yeah. to play and continue to season. But even what we saw at the end of training camp leads you to believe he still needs more time. Yeah. There were still situations where he's good enough to recover. You know, the beauty about him is he has enough talent that when he makes a mistake, he can he can recover from it and bail himself out. He's that good. But there were mistakes there were situations, and this guy was asked to play against Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl over and over again for, in two games. And that's hard for the top defenseman in the NHL, never mind 
a young player trying to make it, right? So good for him that he was able to withstand most of that, uh, get some power play time, do a lot of great things, took a few penalties, put himself on the wrong side of the puck. But it, but it, it reminds me an awful lot of where the Hurricanes were in 2015 with Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci. It was a very similar situation, but the teams were totally different. The Hurricanes were retooling under Ron Francis. They were not going to be very good. It wasn't a good environment in the locker room, and they knew that. So those players were, after brilliant training camps, were put back in the minor leagues and then brought up around Thanksgiving and never went back. And now Slavin and Pesci are both regarded as top defensemen in the NHL. So when you look at this guy, will it be Thanksgiving? Who knows? We'll just have to see where the Kraken are at here. And um, he, he will definitely see some time this year. Uh, and if he doesn't, it will do him a boatload of good to play one more season. There's no question he will play. And if you ask any of the veteran guys, as I know you do, um, they all agree he's got a long career ahead of him. So yeah. uh, he had an excellent training camp. And he led the uh, decor in, uh, in ice time. Both the right. last couple of games, and I think he led the entire team in ice time. Mm -hmm. Maybe in the Abbotsford they game, gave him every opportunity, right? It yeah, was a good. And if he didn't perform as well as he did, they would never ask him to do that. So, um, again, going back in my memory bank, I remember when the Whalers broke in an eighteen-year-old Chris Pronger, and and they were hoping to send him back to junior. To be honest with you, because they didn't want to get into that contract right away, but they had to. And they played him every single preseason game. And I think the team had nine back in those days. And he got better, 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 and better. And he had to play as an 18-year-old. There's no way. He was the best defenseman on the team. Yeah. I think Evans, I, I brought this up to Dave Haxtell, the head coach. And he was kind of, eh, you know, whatever. But he kind of poo-pooed it. But I thought he was busting the door down until the Abbotsford game. I thought he yeah. had some weak moments there. And I, I thought he decrescendoed so to speak over the last couple of games but anyway he's fine he's going to eat up ice time like a madman and as you said if they need him they'll call him because he's yeah. going to be getting ice time with Coachella yeah. Valley um all right up front again it's pretty clear that Seattle's keeping it pretty simple for us um yeah. you know Spronger's gone Daniel Spronger Ryan Donato's gone um uh Weeky Meeky Weeky is gone and we basically uh, I'm talking about Morgan Geeky uh, and then now we have Kyler Yamamoto, Yamamoto, sorry, Ty Cartier, and Pierre Edward Belmar, a centerman. There are 13 forwards. Mm -hmm. So one of those gentlemen will sit initially. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that would come down to either Yamamoto or Cartier, depending on which way you want to go. Right. And I, I think I think they like coming out of camp, the way it looks to me, Cartier, Belmar, and Tanev with yeah. Yamamoto being the extra. I'm, I'm, I For think sure. that's what, the way it will roll out. But I think it can be opponent-based. Yep. It can be, you know, you're, you, you've you got two different types of players. You've got a young player who plays with an edge who has a terrific shot and had plenty of power play time in, in training camp. I'm talking about Cartier because Yamamoto is still a young player. Uh, Yamamoto... Um, more of a more of a shooter, more of a, a score of a natural scoring touch, if you will. At least that's the potential. He still has to fill that card out at the NHL level. There's still some gray areas about this player. Otherwise, he never would have been available in the first place. Edmonton would have would have hung on to him. Um, they did not. It's a lot to replenish, but I think it's going to be a different way of replenishing what they had. So what they had was a ton of goals on the fourth line, right? 
Yeah. And I think the obvious thing to look at here, and I'm a little concerned about the scoring coming out of training camp, you know, because there wasn't a lot of it, right? So it looks like they're going to grind again, 2-1, 3-1. That means the goaltending has to be great. That also means, you know, what are you going to get from your fourth line? They had production from the fourth line last year, but I don't, there's no way they're going to get there. Okay. Sprung at his 21 goals, averaging eight to 10 minutes or whatever it was, but he had flaws as a player that didn't earn the trust of the coaching staff. You know, so the five on five option there was a stretch. Um, really good on a power play, really good in terms of that support scoring. Cartier, Belmar, and Tanev give them a, a, a prototypical fourth line. You've got a veteran in the middle who's going to improve your face-off acumen. That's number one. He's going to kill penalties, and Belmar is a terrific leader, so that, that's good. Tanev, we know what he can do. Infectious, energy, kill penalties, you know, again, get out there and disturb the peace. That's all good. And Cartier gives you that edge yeah. and gets there the first first man in the forecheck and hits and has a tremendous NHL caliber release and shot. And so he's a power play option too. So I think they have the ability to roll a line out that's going to turn the tables from an energy standpoint, as opposed to a fourth line with Donato and Geeky and Sprong that's going to go out there and potentially score, which was the secret sauce, to be fair, which helped the Kraken get to where they went to last year and score just under 300 goals as a team and be the best five-on-five team goal-scoring-wise in the league. But I think, you know, they have three great lines that give you balance and scoring, and you're hoping for more out of some of those guys. And then you've got this fourth line that should give you the right amount of goals for fourth line, but the dimension you need too. Some veteran savvy play down the middle and some energy with your bookends. You know, that's that's needed too. Cartier Car- might be the secret sauce. Who, who knows? Who knows? Could how- be goals this kid could score right could. You, i think to expect 10 is fair you know yeah. he could he could oh, be better you know tanif should get you 10 belmar's only going to get you a handful if you look at his line right that's what that's all he's going to do and then yamamoto needs to hit 10 goals or better depending on what the role is for him and how much power play time either Cartier or, or yamamoto or both get right so that's what we'll look at Maybe they'll look to get a little more or hope to get a little more out of, you know, Bjorkstrand, Tolvanen uh, on either side of uh, Yanni right. Port. I mean, they could they could generate. Tolvanen well, looks sure. like it's a full Right. It's a full season of Tolvanen, which they didn't have. Right. Yep. And he, he's very confident now and he knows his role. And he finally has a set role with the team, which he's never had in his career. And Bjorkstrand, you know, fought the um, uh, adapting to a new team, slow start. Production-wise, I thought he was playing great. He just couldn't buy a goal for the longest time in the front end of the season. But he should give you at least 25 goals, if not more. So, And then Burakovsky for a full season, you know. And he seems to be rounding himself back. I'm not sure he's all the way up to full speed. We'll find out on Tuesday night because it's a long way back from that injury. By the way, tough little roadie starting things off. Vegas against the uh, Stanley Cup champs. Hope they get to sit in the dressing room and wait for the pomp and circumstance. Then they probably mm-hmm. have season openers, St. Louis and Nashville. Again, you're probably mm-hmm. sitting around and waiting, which sometimes hurts the home team because they have to stand on the bench. Or they have to wait around for the introduce every player, blah, blah, blah. There's all that junk going on. And yeah. sometimes the road team comes out and performs rather well in home openers. We've seen that phenomena before. Because they're just lounging in the in the dressing room, getting ready to play. Um, but a pretty good little test starting out. 
Bottom line, real quick, because we got about five minutes in our Terry O'Reilly special. Um, are they a better hockey team, the Seattle Kraken, in 2023-24 than they were on paper, obviously, than 22-23? Or is it pretty, it, damn, pretty damn close? It's very close, okay? It, it's very close, and I think there's a lot of obvious things you could look at and say no, because if you roll out the numbers – terms of the production you might say well they where they, how, they didn't really replenish the production from the fourth line right but i'm not sure again getting back to what i just said i don't know if it's more of a dynamic thing yeah and i do think there there's 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 what they did now and they all know what they did but i think they have a burn to be better yeah. and to prove some people wrong still because people still don't put them in the the Edmonton category, the Colorado category, the Dallas category in the West. Yeah. And then certainly in the East of Carolina, Jersey and Toronto and all those teams, whatever. But this is, this is more importantly where the Kraken at. I think they're about the same, but I'll be interested to see what the difference is in terms of the guys coming back with that burn, yeah. uh, the veteran presence of guys who have won and know what the follow-up to that looks like and feels like. Because a lot of these guys have done that. So yeah. they understand that its expectations are higher now and teams are ready, but it shouldn't matter because they've been there. But the key again to me will be goaltending. And that was no different in year two than it was, you know, yeah. at the start of this season. There it is again. So a lot of that's going to rest on Grubauer's shoulders to be Philip Grubauer's second half and through the playoffs. That version puts them in a good spot. Goaltending was just as important in 1917 when the Metropolitans won the Stanley Cup, John. Yeah. Just, they were great. Yeah. Just the, <laughs> it's just the, just the way it is. It's always about goaltending, which brings up. Those, those are great games to watch now. I go back and watch the film. The film of it? Yeah. Uh, you brought up one point. Go, well, goaltending, it's always about goaltending. And it's quite possible that maybe do, Joy Decord is an upgrade over Martin Jones in a pinch. And if he has to yeah. work a ton, you got a young guy who's 25 instead of 32. And then buy-in for me is the other thing. Goaltending and the buy-in, will, will the team continue to be able to just eat, play the way that they played, roll the lines, you know, to play that style of crack and hockey? It seems like you have buy-in because you have that veteran group that you're talking about. Well, you have identity. And if you watch the preseason games and throw the scores out, which is, which is I think we should, what you should always do, you just look at how the games are played and what they look like. And in terms of systematically how they want to play, suppressing shots, keeping teams to the outside, controlling the middle of the ice, getting in on the forecheck, you know, those things are in play. So, you know, there's a there's a built in knowledge there for these guys. There's muscle memory. They, they know how to how to do all those things that'll carry them to a great spot. It'll get them in grinding games. Will they get the goal support to stretch out games and get breathing room? Because what they ran into in the first year was getting into games that were, you know, two, one, three, one again. Those are hard games to always try to come out on the winning side of, you know, and so that's what they're going to have to be up against again. All right, last topic, because we just got a couple minutes because I promised last week we'd bring it up. And we, since we started talking about Terry O'Reilly and the different planet that we are literally on now, hockey-wise, than we were yeah. 30, 40 years ago, even 20 years ago, no fights. There was there was Tyler Myers not reacting to John Hayden, who basically went after him for the hit on Matty Beneers from 
when he knocked Veneers out of the lineup for a few days. Let's face it. Can't, can't say it, but you can. Um, but that's it. I mean, yeah. not that long ago, you'd have day one of training camp, rookies fighting to just prove themselves, prove their toughness. Yeah. I mentioned that to Dave Haxtell when he walked, when he was done with his media veil the other day, he was walking by, I said, did you notice no fights? He said, I didn't notice. Blank, nothing, nothing cross board. And that's just the way it is. That's planet hockey that we live on now and love it or hate it or somewhere in between. I mean, it was kind of fun to have a little bit of that around. Yeah, I, I, I still think it. there's a place for it. And I and I still think there is an element that a lot of teams have still. And it might be something to crack and look at as they move along here. Um, you know, that that still is is a situation that who do you, when you look at the team now, you know, one of the edgiest guys on the team is Vince Dunn, believe it or not. Right. Like yeah. he he he's not afraid to do that kind of thing. But do you want him doing that? No. Right. No. Right. Cartier's a young kid. Um, I'm sure he'll be willing, but that's not really a role that you got to see out of out of a player like that. Alexiak's in the same situation. He's a he's a big guy, he's a sleeping giant. You got to wind him up, and then when he snaps, he snaps, and he can take care of most people based on his size. But that's that's not his mo. He doesn't have to be doing that. So they don't have it. They have Hayden in the system. They they might need to bring him in on occasion. Um, or address it if need be, but it's getting completely, you know, exercised out of the game, right? It's just there were we already have one major junior league that's not going to allow it, um, and it's going there. Yes, and so the players are coming up without doing it, and before long, they're just not even going to know what we're talking about. Yeah, so that's but okay. That said, intimidation, particularly in the playoffs, physicality, anger, hatred intimidation is still a huge part of the game just look at the stanley cup champions well right and you don't you don't right exactly you don't want any no and and they play that way they they, they're intimidating in with presence in terms of the people they put on the ice and how they play the game um but you know when you have a kid like veneers you know you don't want teams taking liberties you know and if if that starts to happen word gets out right and that's Right now, there isn't a problem, right. and maybe there won't be, because right. the Kraken play a solid team game that that the other side has to worry about, you know, how to combat that. You know, that's why they're tough to play against. Right. And so until the need arises, everything's okay. Hold it. Oh, there's that sound. And, of course, I got some cooperation from the off-ice officials that waited for the buzz. Of course, they, they like you. They gave us, you, have this, you have this engaging personality. They gave us an extra 90 seconds before they, mm -hmm. they buzzed us off the ice. And Zamboni's got to come out, John. Uh, okay. So I will, I'll give you the tease for next week because yep. this time it was fighting. Next time it was a great, interesting little comment that I'm hoping to write about this week on SeattleHockeyInsider.com, and that is Ron Francis in his little end-of-camp address or Q&A with us kind of alluded to the fact that, yeah, he's working on the uh, – salary cap flexibility for the deadline with possible moves in mind. So last year they didn't make that move. They didn't bring in a name. We can get into it next week, but he's already kind of throwing that concept out there. If they're in that same boat again in year three, we might see them uh, adding a little candy uh, heading in the postseason. 
John Forzen, you're a stud. Uh, we wish you happy, safe travels. Good luck Thank on you. the three gamer. And we'll see you back at the Climate Pledge Arena for the big home opener. The following is it on the Tuesday or Wednesday? It's on the Tuesday. 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 Colorado Avalanche. Remember, remember that team. It's a tough schedule starting off with these. It is. It's it is. The first 10 games. All right, John. Take care. Thanks yourself. so much. You Thank too. You. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, bud.